everybody, welcome to the Quest for the Best Disney Edition. Introducing this podcast, we have, I'm Nathan, and I am accompanied by two hombres. One of them is Derek. Derek, say hello. Hello. Derek and James. Hey, everybody. Hello, hello. And again, I'm Nathan. I'll have my cohorts introduce them in a second. So, real quick, who wants to explain what this podcast is? James, you're up. What are we doing? All right. We are going to watch, well, we'll see how many, but most, if not all, of the Disney animated movies. We're going to start with uh, The Great Mouse Detective, because that came out by the time we were all born. Yeah, we're dating ourselves. Thank you. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. you're, you're born in the 80s. And we're going to move forward chronologically. We're going to suffer through the early 2000s. And then we may go back to the beginning. We'll see. It will all come full circle. All right, we got some other extra stuff we're going to talk about where we uh, might have taken a Disney quiz about ourselves so you can get to know us more. To introduce ourselves real quick, we're going to discuss real fast. We're going to say who our favorite Disney character is. And also, I want people to tell me what their favorite Disney movie is. And let's, let's just go from the animated list. So no picking Charlie the Lonesome Cougar, which is going to be my pick. Um... <laughs> Derek, <laughs> Derek, what's your favorite Disney character and movie? All right, my favorite Disney character is Donald Duck because really, yes, I relate to him so much. And <laughs> you probably didn't know this about me, but the ducks are my jam. I freaking love the Donald Duck and Scrooge comics, specifically the ones yeah. by Don Rosa and by extension Carl Barks, because you can't have Rosa without Barks. And my favorite Disney movie is, I mean, it varies from decade to decade. I was really like, really, really liked Frozen when it came out. Um, I have a very, very soft spot for the Black Cauldron for mostly for what it could have been. But I'd say the most enduring favorite Disney movie, um, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Ooh, All right. That's a good one. Yeah. Interesting, cho- interesting choice. I'm a big Hellfire fan. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. No, you like the gargoyles. That's uh, your favorite. Okay, <laughs> I still think that there ha- should be a version of that movie where they replace those stupid gargoyles with the gargoyles from the gargoyles TV show because ooh, that would be an amazing but, movie. But just no gargoyles. <laughs> that too. All right, J- now have James tell us what his favorite Disney movie is, as well as favorite Disney character. In okay, so. Currently, it's a tie between... That's cheating. I know. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, which I feel like is a almost perfect film, and Emperor's New Groove, which I still think has held up really well. And oddly enough, my favorite character is Phoebus from The Hunchback of Notre Dame, because I feel like very... Uh, Related, relatable. He found I find him very relatable, but I don't even not remember the one that in is. the book. The one in the book is creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who is Phoebus? He's, he's the, the blonde guy. Yeah. He's the captain. Ends up with Esmeralda. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You ruined the movie for yeah. me. No, but yeah, his twenty-year-old spoiler. Yeah, he oh. he was involved in some of my favorite moments in that movie. The especially the part where you know that he's talking with Quasimodo face to face, and he's like. Um, can you put me down? And you see Quasimodo is lifting him like four feet in the air. Yeah, he's, I really like Phoebus. Yes. Sweet. 
we have some we have some interesting choices. <laughs> well, I'm trying to be like original here. Sorry. No, that's fine. Okay, so uh, I guess I should say what my favorite Disney character is, and it's Gaston. Uh, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> from it's from the cartoon, not the live action one. I I thought live action was okay. I've actually seen the whole movie, just parts of it. Disclaimer. But I really like Gaston. He's a guy that just loves life, even though he's dumb as a brick. And then everyone's just real mean to him for no reason. Like, what the heck, man? He was cool. I like Gaston quite a lot. And the Gaston actors at Disneyland and elsewhere are very entertaining. Favorite Disney movie is kind of hard. I guess, like, the joke answer would be Emperor's New Groove. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to, like, say that's, like, a, a real, like, solid Disney movie, because it was kind of, you know, the leftovers of what's in it? the movie they're going to make instead. City yeah. of God, or City, Empire of the Sun, there we go. Kingdom um, of the Sun, yeah. Kingdom of the Sun, thank you. Um, but I think the alternative, I guess it would just have to be Aladdin, just because I was obsessed with that movie. And it was, still holds up. It's still good. I it's was still really good. Yeah, it's, it's one of the few Disney films I feel that has the obnoxious sidekick that makes pop culture references that it a fits in the movie because of what the genie is and isn't grating unlike mm. some other side mm-hmm. some other like comic relief characters and like that kind of saves the whole movie for it well the thing with the genie is he's he's what everyone else was trying to copy with those characters later on so it's like because you know how hollywood goes they do one thing good and then i like, here let's repeat it and then they do it terrible Right. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's what the reason Mushu exists is because of Aladdin, for example, right? So, it's true. I guess so. Yeah. I think my like black horse answer would be Hercules. I like really liked that movie and I hated it when it first came out. You hated oh, it, really? I really hated Hercules. Like I was really big into Greek myth and all I could think oh. of was like, this is so wrong. Everything <laughs> yep. is wrong. Oh yeah, and that then I watched I rewatched it and I was like, wow, like this movie's kind of bold (laughs) yeah it Mm -hmm. would have kind of been hilarious if it was accurate because the movie would have ended right when he meets megara for the first time because that is the moment the river guardian chiron the centaur is the guy that actually is responsible for hercules's death that and he kills his family yeah yeah that like his trials are to atone so he would kill meg also also the fact that um the greek myth hera yeah also, the fact that Hera is one, his mom, and two, nice. Yeah, that's weird. Okay, we'll, we can we'll discuss Hercules when we later. get to it. Yeah. I have I have taken courses in Greek mythology, so I'm <laughs> ready to rip Hercules a new one. But anyway, so so the general gist of the podcast for those people just listening is, uh, as as James said, we're we're going to just kind of hit two movies a week. Um, we're starting around the year we were born, which is as you figured out, 1985, 1986-ish. Uh, and we're gonna just go over them in detail. None of us are really film experts. We're more like film critics slash we like Disney in James's case. <laughs> Thanks. Like Disney. Some of us like Disney more than others. So we're trying to get a decent analysis here. Um, but yeah, that's the gist. And once we get through, uh, all the animated films, who knows what we'll do next. But if you like Disney, we're here to, to tell you why you're wrong or right, depending on which of us you ask. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Also, we have those um, quizzes results before we get started in this week's movies, right? Right. We took a quiz that was saying what a mix of characters we were. Um, you know, it's one of those things you usually see on Facebook that your grandma posts, but we did it. So, James, I don't actually even remember. 
who who are you if you were a Disney man? If you were a Disney man? Uh, yeah, I'm a wise mix of the fairy godmother, Judy Hopps, Timon, and Genie. Okay, I, can see I, the, I can see the fairy godmother and the Timon. Well, it I'm says not... I have the calming presence of fairy godmother, determination of Judy Hopps, perceptiveness of Timon, and the pizzazz of Genie. I'm an excellent hmm. learner I... and observer, and because I um, have the Genie pizzazz, I'm good at giving presentations. I think, okay, do you agree with that? You don't scream pizzazz. I mean, I'm being, I'm being um... honest. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely I just, see see the fairy godmother in me. I like the perceptiveness of Timon. That makes me happy. And determination? I hope I have more determination than... Yeah, than I like what? that. Pizzazz of Genie, I don't know. Probably I'd like to point out that this bit, that this uh, this, cor- this quiz is just bullcrap because there's no villains, so I can't <laughs> be all four Gaston. <laughs> all four <But>, Gaston? <laughs> yeah, I have the... the the muscles of Gaston. I have the you hair of Gaston. Have the muscles of Gaston. I have the the friends of Gaston, and I have hey. the the jawline of Gaston. Those are the four things that were going to be on my quiz, but unfortunately, they just couldn't handle it. Derek, you're clearly LeFou on this. Mm. And Derek, who did you get? I got. It says I am an artsy mix of Aladdin, Baymax, Olaf, and Moana. Thought that was me. Did we get the same thing? Maybe. Are you both those four? Are you effing kidding me? Yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me see. It says, I have the creativity of Aladdin, the kindness of Baymax, the optimism of Olaf, and the resourcefulness of Moana. Yeah, I got the exact same effing thing. Oh my Ooh. gosh, keep going. <laughs> keep going. Keep I think going. I, yeah, it says, you are a caring person who finds joy in the arts and in helping others to use that creativity. Oh, sorry. And in finding ways to use that creativity to help others. You can make the best of any situation and are really great at thinking on your feet. You make an excellent partner or teammate. Oh, good. It's the exact Apparently same one. The same, we're the same person. I'm not, so sure, I'm not so sure if I did this <laughs> quiz right, because... Some of that sounded right. Yeah. That optimism of Olaf does not sound right for either of us. No, no that, it no. really doesn't. Also, I effing hate Olaf, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can maybe get the resourcefulness part, um, and, well, kind of. I look like I Aladdin, so that makes sense. Mm. I wear big baggy pants like Aladdin. And a shirtless vest. I wear shirtless vests all the time. Yeah. I don't know if Aladdin is... is necessarily the one that I would peg as being the most creative Disney character out there. Well, he's uh, creative in problem solving, right? True. He's a, he's a quick talker. That is totally not me. <laughs> as I'm sure will become painfully obvious over the course of this podcast. Oh, yeah, confess no. your sins. Confess, confess. All right. And I, yeah, I got the same thing, so I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> the fact that I don't... I kept retaking it to try and get villains, and it didn't work, so... Uh, you have the whoop, presence whoop. of Chernobog. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You have, you have the hairline of who's a bald Disney character. Uh, <laughs> that priest from Hunchback. I don't remember anyone's names. This will be good for me. <laughs> After, like, the 2000s. I don't remember anything that happened in Disney. You have the anger right. management skills of Radigan. The anger management skills of Donald Duck. Uh... <sighs> Sweet. Okay. Good time. So, uh, we'll link to that, uh, quiz in the description of the podcast, or yes. Derek Wilkes, he's the one in charge of this. Yeah. Uh, you can take it yourself and also be, 
Aladdin, Baymax, Olaf, and Mona, and be just like us. Cause or Bar- be like the fairy godmother. That, I don't even believe that actually happened. I think it just gives what we gave us and Derek to everybody, and you're just lying now because of what <laughs> happened. I have proof. I can upload it on Derek's uh, Twitter page. <laughs> yeah, that'll right. work. <laughs> so just real quick, um, to start this off, what do you guys think about mice? Animated or real? Just mice. When I say mouse, do you get excited? No. Excited in what, what way? Say... <laughs> don't, don't take this... What about if I said it was a great mouse? How would you feel? Mm, I'd say it has a lot to live up to. Has a lot to live up to. What if this mouse that was great was also, bear with me, a detective? I'm in. Mm. You're in? I wasn't in until you had detective. <laughs> Alright. You're in. Okay. Now here's another question, because we're obviously talking about the great mouse detective. And we're going to start off with this question. Do you think this movie would have been better if it was called Basil of Baker Street. Probably not. Oh, I'm going to go with yes, actually. we we'll go with yes. Okay. Because that was the original title of the film. Mm-hmm. And the book series it's based on. And the book series it's based on. And they changed it and added the line where at the very end of the movie where Wilson says he was a great mouse detective. Because the the president of Disney wanted to change the title. <laughs> and apparently, people got upset about that, from what I was reading. Because they liked the, the uh, thought Basil was a Baker Street was a better name. But, okay, but, but well, we are doing great if having Baker Street in the title would cue people into the idea that it's a Sherlock Holmes story earlier. Right. Because, like, if you think about what a title's supposed to do, it's supposed to present what the story's about, right? Right. So, this, like, the great mouse detective tells you that there's a mouse detective and he's apparently adequate at his job, uh, allegedly. Allegedly. Battle of Baker Street doesn't tell you he's a mouse, but you do get that he's a detective and you kind of get the time period, because it's, like, going to be a Sherlock Z thing. So, I don't know. What was funny, though, as I was reading, was that uh, after that happened... Uh, someone sent an inter-office memo in, uh, it was Peter Schneider, in his name, and they said, oh, we're also going to be renaming our old movies. We're going to be calling Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Seven Men, Little Men Help a Girl. Yeah. <laughs> like, the Jungle Book is going to be tied to a boy, a bear, and a big black cat. Because, you know, it wasn't obvious enough. Apparently people were very happy. Is Pinocchio this. just going to be the, the puppet boy? Check out the nose on that guy. That could be the name of that one. Mm. I want that. Let's be honest. All That's right, going to so be anyway. the uh, live action version. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. They already made a live action version. I don't think Disney did, but someone did. There have yeah. been anyway. several live action versions of Pinocchio. All right. So getting into it. So the Great Mouse Detective was the twenty. Is considered like the twenty sixth Disney film ish. Came out in uh, nineteen eighty six, July second. So the middle of the year. I was uh, half a year old. Just to date myself Same. out. I was uh, not yet born. <laughs> uh-oh. And, uh, <laughs> oh, we're not allowed to watch it yet. Sorry, the guys. premise of the podcast uh, is falling okay, apart. Yeah, the podcast's over. Yeah, <laughs> see you all next time. Yeah. Um, I was born the general two months plot, later. The, the general gist of the film, I mean, if you haven't seen it, I mean, there's a mouse and he's a detective. It's kind of a, a riff on Sherlock Holmes, where you have Basil as the Sherlock Holmes character. You have Dawson as Watson. And then the general plot is this evil rat named Radigan, who I guess is supposed to be like Moriarty, 
is trying to take over England, but rat England, or mouse England, not, not Purpston England, which does exist, which is weird. Yeah. yeah, kind of strange. So anyway, and the general justice, he wants to use a toy maker to make a robot of the queen that will then be like, as queen, Radigan is now in charge. And everyone will fall for it because they're stupid. And yeah, that's that's the plot. And it gets spoiled. So I just wanted to go over that real fast. Um, yeah. Does anyone have any initial thoughts after watching it? I don't know. You guys have all seen yeah. this one before. Yeah, it's, I've seen it several times. And actually, the first thing that just as you went over the plot again that reminded me was that something I hadn't caught on to in previous viewings but did this time was that in that scene where Radigan has the robot queen tell everyone that he's in charge, he actually has... Her, the robots say that he is her new royal consort. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I'm like, I did not catch that as a kid. I do not want to know what he's doing with that robot behind doors. Oh, please. <laughs> I don't know. This All is right, the so movie with booze and cigars and stuff. No, there are awesome. prostitute mice in this movie. No, okay. You guys are totally conflagrating the era incorrectly, just for the record. <laughs> but... Okay, just real fast, did you guys like the movie? Like, what are your initial thoughts on rewatching it? I'm curious. I oh, grew James, hit me. So I grew up with it. We had it on, what, VHS? Yeah. And I always liked it then. I think I probably enjoyed it more this time. It's been years and years since I've seen it. I feel like it's a fun well, like it's not the, It's not the perfect film. By any means, but I I really thought it was quite enjoyable. I thought it was a good way to kick off the podcast. Sure, Derek. Any any initial like yeah impressions? Yeah, it's besides consorts. <laughs> besides, I have totally put the wrong foot forward on this first episode. But <laughs> anyway, um, because I edit the majority of the things I say out. <laughs> yeah, the Great Mouse Detective was always one. It was one of the ones that I watched multiple times as a kid. And But then I just kind of hadn't watched it in a while. I'd actually seen it a couple months ago or about a year or so ago. And that was the first time in a long time that I'd seen it. And then I watched it again for the podcast. And yeah, every time I'm always struck by how this movie, I'm surprised more people don't talk about it. Usually when it comes up in conversation about Disney movies, it's more of, Oh yeah, that really was a good movie, wasn't it? But it's not one of the ones that gets a huge amount of attention. But mm-hmm. yeah, I really love this movie and also just really enjoy how just, you know, they told, honestly, the world that they create feels more real than some Disney movies feel just because they're, you know, they're not afraid to show, yes, this is what you know, the world would look like in regards to the fact that they drink alcohol and smoke cigars and have actual firearms in the... Mm. So, you know, there's no... It's it's not... Disney gets accused of kidifying things a lot, and this movie did not do that. Sure. So your initial impression was I I didn't kidify it. Yeah, (laughs) that too. Got it. Yeah, uh, I also really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I this was one of the few Disney films we didn't own growing up. Um, really? We just rented it. Yeah, most of the post we had a lot of the old ones and like mm-hmm. nothing past like the eighties, like ish. We owned Oliver and Company, but we did not yeah. own this. Um, of course you did. Yeah, we're not going there yet. Uh, when I watched it as a kid, I remember it being good, and I remember being scared of Radigan, 
and the toy shop scene was creepy. Those are two impressions I distinctly remember, as well as the part where Radigan has the Bond-esque trap to get rid of Basil. And I just remember, even as a kid, being like, this seems, like, really violent. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, uh, re-watching it, I was really happy. I honestly was not expecting very much. I just thought it would be another... Because a lot of times it's kind of shrugged off as that era of Disney, where it was just kind of okay, but nothing astounding. I kind of view 101 Dalmatians in that category. Like, it's a good movie, but it's not, it doesn't, like, do anything for me. Um, and I went away liking this movie a lot more than I thought I would. So we'll get into that later. But yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it beginning to end. Awesome. So transitioning, I guess, into kind of the next part of this. How about we go over, Derek kind of touched on this a little bit, but let's, like, things we, that in particular stood out as things we, liked about the film that we feel made an impression. Does anyone have anything on that besides Derek again already mentioned like this is kind of an adult ish Disney movie. There's of that era, there's guns and, and smoking and sexy mice dancers. Um hmm. and I and I agree with Derek, I actually kinda like that. As a kid I remember not being impactful at all. It just was like part of the era. James, you seem like you might have something to say about that, do you? <sighs> I'm like, I do, actually. In regards to your question, I think that because it's not kidified in any way, that I enjoyed it more as a kid and more as an adult. Absolutely. I remember it scaring like the bejeebies out of my cousins. There were like these three three girls, and we were watching Great Mouse Detective, and they made us turn it off because they were just terrified of Radigan. I was like, uh-huh. why are you scared of him? As an adult, now I'm like, oh, I can see why you were scared of him. He's but such a he's, good villain. He's such a good villain. The The way that he is matched to Basil's intelligence, I think is really... Because Radigan's really smart, too. But Radigan is scary. You know, mm. he throws his lackeys, you know, off an airship or, you know, feeds them to the cat. Yeah, he legit is, he like, legit is murdering scary. people. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is like in a Disney movie, he is murdering people. And there's even a lyric I just want to bring stuff up. Think about in a, in the song in his song, they talk about how he drowned orphans and widows in the song. Yep. Yeah. In That's the, awesome. In the upbeat, happy song, I caught I caught that this time around as well. Where I was like, I don't remember that lyric, but wow. Yeah. yeah. It's like I think that puts him in the same category as like. Scar as and um, Frollo as well, maybe not so much Frollo, but yeah, Scar and him are currently the one the Disney villains with confirmed kills, basically. Yeah, and, and I think he's really, really smart too. Right. Like, I mean, granted, the make a toy queen is kind of a stupid plan, but apparently it works because all the mice totally believe it. Yeah, yeah. and well, he knows his audience. Yeah. And he's smart enough to to trap Basil, and that is that's kind of scary for a kid. Right. I think you know yeah. he he got the all of the good guys trapped for a while. Yeah, and I think one thing that I think is absolutely fascinating about this movie is the fact that they managed to imply years and years of enmity between um, Basil and Radigan. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is basically they play it off as this is just the climax of decades of them going yeah, against each chess. other, and it's, it's the whole the Moriarty on the waterfall moment. Yeah, right? yeah, like yeah, it's the ending. Of- yeah, exactly, and it's like the fact that they managed to do it in a oh geez, how long is this movie? Like an hour and a half? It's if like, that, yeah, it's pretty short. 
Yeah, it's like they, pretty short one. they take no time at all, and yet they manage to build up the fact that this has been going on for a long time. There's a lot of history here, and so I think that's absolutely right. fascinating. Yeah. So while we're on on Radigan as things we liked, um, I agree with Derek. He might actually be my favorite Disney villain. Better than He's, Gaston? I, I don't really view Gaston as a villain, as just okay, more of an fair. antagonist. So, so the things I love about Radigan, really quick, I love that he is evil and he knows it. Like... Mm. I love that he owns it. He sings songs and talks about how bad he is, and he just doesn't care. He's just It's just part of who he is. He doesn't try to hide it. I, I really like that about him. Um, yeah. I like that apparently when they recorded Vincent Price doing the voice, he's a very Shakespearean actor. He would make movements in the recording booth, and then they recorded that and mapped like a <laughs> lot of Radigan's extravagant Shakespearean motions to Vincent Price when he was recording the voiceover. <sighs> You can tell that he acts like an extravagant actor. It's so entertaining. He's putting on a show the whole time, right? He's pretending he's this well-to-do mouse. Right. That's part of his thing. Oh, I'm just an overgrown mouse, or whatever You know, mm. he says. To, oh, you're just an overgrown mouse. Don't, don't kill our mouse. friend, please. One thing that I really like about him, because usually, you know, you'll often hear, you know, the writing advice of the best villains believe they're the hero. And then the internet, of course, runs off with that saying, all the best villains know that, think that they're the hero. And I'm, but what I love about Radigan is that he kind of disproves that that's always the case. Cause you know, people like to take one solid rule and say it has to be this, no, no other alternatives ever. And by having mm -hmm. Radigan be such a great villain and have him be aware that he's evil works really well because you just have to imagine at a certain point, there are things that a villain does where there's like, for example, drowning orphans and widows. There is, in order for someone to be the villain and think they're the hero and have done that, they have to be incredibly delusional. But Radigan's right. not. Exactly. He's yeah. not delusional. Yeah. He knows he's evil and he relishes it. So it's, He loves it. Yeah. So it's like, in all things, moderation and Radigan provides that nice little example of, you can have a villain that knows what they are, that is completely self-aware and it works. It just has to be done mm -hmm. yeah. With pizzazz, because, you know, like you were saying, Radican is very theatrical. Right, and it really makes, when we're watching it, it makes his, tr his transition from this smart, and it's really nice, again, just to have a smart villain that's mm -hmm. a foil to Basil, just as an aside, like a villain that feels, like, intelligent and not just brute forcey, but, like, he degenerates at the very end when they're, like, in the clock tower and all of his illusions are gone, his clothes are destroyed, he's clearly this hideous monster of a rat. And, like, that was really scary as a kid because he was, mm -hmm. like, and even now, because it's, like, he has built up this illusion so well that seeing him completely fall apart at the seams at the end and just become the monster he actually is, and we knew he was, is just brilliantly executed and makes him all the more yeah. scary and this bigger foe. Because when you view him as a intellectual foe to Basil, you eventually are like, yeah, Basil will beat him. But then when they throw that regalia off and it's like, he's also this giant, you know, evil rat. Like, you're like, oh, okay. Maybe, you know, it, it heightens that tension at the end of yep. really well. He just, he just, he just executes everything for me. And he's just so funny and just, I, 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 I loved, him in this movie he might have been there's a reason he has top billing i think on imdb and it's yeah. just he's so i wish there was more of him yeah. less of that bat but whatever <laughs> i love when he calls fidget he's like you delightful little maniac we used to say that all the time my mom would say you delightful awesome. little maniac yeah and uh, yeah, and what I also love about that bit, at the, you know, how he devolves into just an animal at the end, 
is that they've been playing it up. That's been there the whole time. He is just, he's incredibly intelligent, but at the same time, he's basically a bundle of rage that is just barely containing himself under a guise of civility. And so it's like, it's just fascinating because it's like, they build it up properly so that everything flows, all the developments in his character flow the way they're meant to. Right, and I'm going to segue that into my next big positive, which I mentioned before the show. Like, I think this movie is almost perfectly paced. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's just so well executed on how things are set up and then paid off very well. You have early setups that are paid off later, You have, but they ha- it has scene-by-scene setups that are paid off. It's just everything feels like it's leading into something else in service of this story. It doesn't feel like anything's there as dead air or as a, necessarily a joke. I was thoroughly engaged throughout, and even the scene in the toy shop, which I think could have been the scene where they get comedic, you know, they're fighting each other with toys, it's kind of silly, mm-hmm. kind of horrific, horrific, that doll's face, terrifying, but like... Okay, that doll's he, face is so scary. That <laughs> falls apart, yeah, that, that's a terrible nightmare. But like, even in that scene where I think watching more modern Disney movies, that would be the scene where I kind of just fell asleep for a little bit, because usually nothing happens... Even that was engaging and exciting, and the stakes felt real throughout the entire movie. It did well of escalating the tension really well without it being overbearing. Oh, for some, not for James's cousin, apparently. Um, yeah, it was overbearing for them. But they were little, I mean, to be fair. Mm. Yeah, and character motives made sense, which is kind of a different topic, I guess. But, like, yeah, I, I just really was entertained from beginning. To, I was at work when I watched it, and I stopped working to watch the movie, and I was, like, really engaged. <laughs> Does anyone else like similar thoughts on that? Yeah. I think it was a lot less episodic mm. than I was expecting. I don't mm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like a lot of Disney movies are very episodic. Um, it you de- can really see the beginning to the end of each little segment. It kind of... Almost like... Here's the storyboard. Here's where it starts and ends. Yeah, Sorry, third yeah. three act structure is pretty transparent. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Derek. Sorry, yeah, I was trying not to interrupt there, but yeah, it depends on which movies there are. Some are more obvious than others. When we get to Pinocchio, for example, we'll notice mm-hmm. it's very episodic. Like here's the bit where he's um being kept prisoner by the puppet guy, or when he goes to the island, etc. And then um. Oh, that was another one that I would do, thought of, but I just forgot. No, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. They're, some of them feel... They don't follow the three-act structure as well. Yeah. yeah. Of, and then mesh it all together really mm-hmm. well. They just are like, okay, it's kind of like one-act structure where every act has a climax and a payoff, and the payoff doesn't... The payoff pays off a little too much as a transition right. to the next idea. Yeah. And that, that's a very common Disney thing, I think, now that I see a lot. And this movie did not feel that way. It felt like a movie should. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like how it feels like the climax is going to be stopping Radigan at the palace. But then he right. ups the stakes by taking Olivia and going to the tower. Right. Like, that's, that's a way better climax mm. than this if is, it had just wrapped the- up at the palace. That means both movies this week ramped up the climax by the villain stealing a little girl. Just as I a do have aside. a problem with that. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I was like, there's a lot of like kidnapping little girls this week. <laughs> no, yeah. I like that. It made it edgy. But like Radigan was way more intimidating than we're get to. I remember. Oh, Sykes. Sykes. Oh yeah, he's Sykes? oh he's completely forgettable. Yeah, Radigan was so much more interesting. If we're done talking about pacing, I'll move on. And the same as a final word on that. Um, so like my next. 
Yeah, honestly, uh, my my just my thought about the pacing is that I didn't notice it, which is the best compliment I can give. Because if something's mm. wrong about pacing, I'll notice. If something's good about pacing, I don't think about it until somebody points out it had good pacing. At which point I'm like, well, cause you're in, oh, yeah, yeah, because you're engaged, right? Yeah, like if exactly. you're engaged in the movie, the pacing's good. So. Exactly. Another thing I really liked, which maybe you guys can expound on, was the parallels between this movie and, like, Sherlock Holmes and, like, the little Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, Basil is so much better than Benedict Cumberbatch and Sherlock. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, uh, well, it's easy to hate on Sherlock now because the most recent season was so bad, everyone realized that the whole show was actually kind of mediocre. But Basil is still kind of a jerk. He really is. But yeah. he, he's, he's, he's not nice. Character. Yeah, but he is still completely likable and doesn't come mm-hmm. off as, like, intentionally trying to make him be a jerk and his genius makes up for it, right? Like, yeah. which is the Sherlock. He felt more like Holmes than Cumberbatch does. To yeah. me. Do you guys have thoughts on any that or any other parallels? Yeah. Yeah, I do cuz I the thing is with um with Basil is that he's thoughtless. Like he's preoccupied that he doesn't take a moment to think about, you know, that's like putting it. Yeah. Yeah, cuz it's like for I think the perfect example is where he's he's just come in, he's just been introduced, the big clue that he thought he had turns out to be a dead end. He's melancholy and Olivia is trying to get his attention to get him to help with her problem and he's having none of it because he's preoccupied with his problems. And then he says, you know, the moment where he says, doesn't your mother know where he is? And she says, I don't have a mother. You just He has that moment where he's like, oh, he kind of gets out of himself and has just has this moment where he's like, oh, uh, and you can even see him being like, oh, I've been kind of acting like a jerk. But then he doubles down on the, okay, let me cover it up by saying, mm-hmm. by focusing on. I don't have any time for this, but then, of course, the moment she well, he says did. what he, you know, she tells him the thing that interests him. He has him. what he wants, exactly. basically. Yeah, she, he turns it back. And, like, you can see his character change, I think, over the film, uh-huh. where he gets more and more connected to her. Well, that moment, that, he, that moment in the toy shop when he's yelling about how poorly everything went and how it's really Dawson's fault, but he hasn't just said it quite yet. And he's like, you... And has that another moment of realization that he's like totally screwing up but then this time he you know comforts dawson and oh we're gonna go find her exactly. and he doesn't double down on like anything has this moment of change where he's like okay i'm, I'm thinking about other people yeah I, right. so often jerks are written as jerks and nothing else but that's not the way that's usually not the way it works because often most of the time a jerk is a jerk for any number of reasons. Maybe they have a bad home life, or mm-hmm. maybe they're focused on something else and they don't think the thing that you care about is as important, which is exactly what his thing is. Okay, look, I'm focusing on something important. This other stuff doesn't matter, but he's... Well, yeah, and I think I agree completely, and like the biggest thing, I think, is he comes off not only as a workaholic, but it's very clear that he doesn't have anyone else in his life. Yeah. And when he gets people in his life, at first he doesn't know how to react. So he's not being, like you mm-hmm. said, he's not being a jerk. He's being callous because he doesn't know how to interact. Yeah. And then once he figures it out, he starts getting really attached and it becomes, oh, it's, it's just so much to that in his character in very little, you know, an hour and a half movie that makes you like, he's relatable. Like you can understand where he's coming from mm-hmm. and yeah. not just be like, oh, he's a dick, but at least he's really smart. You know what I mean? Like, <sighs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean... So... Oh, good, good, Derek. Yeah, I was just going to say, there's a reason why, when I did a little bit of research on the movie, I discovered that there's a surprisingly active fan base around that character. Uh, and he's, and it's, uh, he's in a book, so... Yeah, that too, but yeah. <laughs> That's always helpful. I don't know, because, yeah, it's like I started looking through and I saw that there's, like, you know, a lot of it was people creating their own OCs or... Like making their version, the mouse version of characters like Irene Adler or that kind of thing. And I was like, huh, what an interesting concept. Mm. So speaking of him feeling relatable, I've seen this movie enough times. I knew it was coming. But the part when he's kind of arguing with Olivia, with Basil's, you know, my dear, you're not coming. And then he sits on his violin and just has that moment of just like, are you kidding me? I actually started laughing, which I was really surprised, like out loud. And like, <laughs> I totally that relate to this. I work yeah. with kids all the time and totally understand, you know, trying to be like, you know, you really need to listen to me. And the kid is just not listening. And then something like that happens and you're just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> it's like my favorite moment in this movie, comedic wise, mm. is him just pulling out his violin and it's just smashed. He's just like, you are not coming. <laughs> Yeah, as another plus, just transitioning, like, the movie's surprisingly entertaining, like, in terms of humor. I thought it was pretty funny, and none of the humor seems cheap, yeah. something you have to kind of work for, but, yeah, the Sherlock Holmes nods in particular I like, like, Toby is a dog Holmes has in one of, I can't remember the, the specific caper, I actually just read it the other day, but, like, he has a dog named Toby during that caper. And then Toby is the dog of Sherlock Holmes, who apparently lives directly upstairs to Basil, yeah. which is kind of odd. I think my favorite part, my favorite gag, actually, when we're talking about funny bits, is when the cat gets chased by Toby and then, like, struts around on yep. top of the Buckingham Palace wall and jumps in. And it's a bunch of guard dogs that, that get him. I, I always thought that was the funniest bit as a kid, and rewatching it, it's still really funny. I don't <laughs> know why that gag is. It. Yeah, that cat's dead. <laughs> That, that gag is that gag is just really entertaining. Any other big positives that kind of stuck out? Do we want to discuss yeah. adulting Disney movies or? Before we do that, I do have one thought that I wanted to. Um, the character of Olivia, because mm-hmm. I mean, we all know how easy it is for the child character to be the absolute worst part of the movie, and right, yeah. But what I really like with this, because. The purpose of the child character often is to be, you've got a character like Basil, and, you know, they ne- basically need to be softened up a little bit. And often mm-hmm. having them have to be take care of or be responsible for a child is meant to do that. Uh, but, of course, it misfires in many cases because they the kid is being written by someone that doesn't know how to write an endearing, accurate kid. Oliver and company, the whole movie. Anyway, keep yeah. going. <laughs> well... With slow clap. Yep. Uh, Olivia is pretty much the ideal example of that done right. Like she's mm-hmm. she's a realistic kid. She has her annoying moments because, let's be honest, kids have their annoying moments. But she's also endearing, and you can see why he would warm up to her over the course of the movie, and why you know the touching moment when she and her father are leaving feels earned at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Dawson is also a huge piece to that. Oh, I love him. <laughs> because without Dawson, Basil would have to be taking care of her by himself. Uh-huh. And Dawson's way more, you know, gentle and loving towards Olivia from the beginning. So you, you're not... Mm-hmm. Like, I think some of the problems with some of these, you know, like, kid with the jerk is that the jerk is mean to the kid. Yeah. And no one's there to take care of the kid. 
mm-hmm. you know, but he can be a jerk to her at the beginning because Dawson's there. He's going to take care of her, which is and then the failure of Dawson to watch her at the toy shop, you know, hurts them both. Mm-hmm. And then he can make the change. I think Dawson being there is why it works as well. Yeah, Livia well, is a well-written character. With you, but I think Dawson's an important piece. Yeah, Dawson, the funny, interesting thing about Dawson is that he's written more like the stereotypical version of Watson. Because, you know, in pop culture, Watson kind of has this image of the fat, bumbling, useless one that's just there to be, you know, to be spoken at. When, in fact, the original Watson was more like what we see in the uh down Robert Downey Jr. movies or the or Sherlock where he's a competent character he's just not as intelligent as Sherlock because Sherlock is a genius mm-hmm. I want to tag off that and say I agree and disagree I yeah. would say that Watson's goal in the Holmes books as well as and this is not in Sherlock but mm. it definitely is in this movie is he's like the emotional heart of the of the character yeah. like yeah. you have holmes who's the brains and you have watson who's like the the pathos he's the character that actually gives a crap about what happens to people because holmes is cold and calculated and so he and he has to be because he sees all these terrible things and like yeah. has to you know solve murders while watson is the one being sympathetic to the widow or the one being sympathetic to the child. he's the he's the, the the very good balance of, of that and he yeah. he is everything you said about him and Olivia Dawson, not Watson, because totally different, yeah. um, <laughs> is is correct. I feel, and I feel like lots of modern interpretations of Watson do miss that. I felt Sherlock had it in like its very first pilot, and then they just forgot that that's why Watson mm-hmm. is a character. Yeah. Um, but we're not talking about Sherlock. We're talking about this. Yeah. Um, well, Nathan, that reminds me. Like now that you've said orphans and widows i'm like i think basil couldn't defeat radigan until he had dawson i think like well i mean that's kind he of needed that other right? piece to beat out the bad guy that's that, why it's yeah, decades of yeah. chasing around playing chess with him because he mm-hmm. didn't have dawson there to ground him yeah which is interesting because my i was about to complain and say dawson doesn't do anything in this movie um but i think you convinced me otherwise <laughs> so uh, he gets he, drunk he and dances with the girls he does lots of stuff <laughs> well like mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't solve any part of the case but he true he is he is there as a grounding element for mm. basil and there that his um, basil's emotional motions opening up through watson for olivia are mm-hmm. what makes it so like you said he can eventually defeat radigan so right. like that's and it's, it's worth pointing out just discussing this that like it's worth noting that like every character in this movie has like a point like, and they work really well off each other. Maybe the lizard in Radigan's little army doesn't have a point. But, like, I think of a movie like, say, Mulan, where Mushu and that cricket have no point in the entire film. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have made the entire movie without them, and it would have been fine. But they need something cute. Yeah, whereas wet. this one, sure, but you could argue Olivia is cute and actually part of the plot and yeah. an integral part of character development for the main right. character. Right, right. Oh, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying, yeah. Okay, no, I, I understand. I just want, if it's okay, just move on real fast. Things we didn't like about the movie? Something mm. in particular that stood out for you guys? Not we've been really super positive about it. What what didn't you like? And I can't say my stupid Dawson things. You proved me wrong while I was thinking about it. So <laughs> someone else Um, let's see. Uh, I'm having a hard time thinking of something negative. I guess the ease one thing that bugged me a little bit this last time though was the ease with which radigan's um goons infiltrated the royal army 
the I mean the Royal Guard, where it's like I mean it's it's a comedic beat where they just grab them and suddenly these goons are impersonating royal soldiers, and I'm just like, how did you get in here? I'm pretty certain there were more guards than just the two at our door. But it leads up to the great gag where the queen says, "Have you been here long?" To the hideous Have you been here long? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that is funny. I mean, yes, this, this is a race. This is a race of idiots that believe the robot was the actual queen. So, yeah. but you know, I, I can understand that. Yeah. I always thought the ending where Basil ran the unicycle was a little to get back up was a little <laughs> oh. strange. Yeah, yeah. That, like I mean, that's really nitpicky, and I understand it was like kind of you kind of could see it coming. Yeah. But I always, even as a kid, I was like, that doesn't seem feasible. And also, it was weird that at the end he would, the final like victory over his own death would be done by a physical means rather than an intelligent one. Yeah. Like that seems like if he he would have something planned that he would execute on, and that would, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't oh, yeah. fit the character as well as I would have hoped. Yeah, I do like that he completely loses. In any sort of physical battle, but that's that's good stuff, and we're not talking about that. Yeah, I mean, the one thing, the only thing that I could say to argue that is that by that point, Radigan has completely given up on making it a mental battle. So it's like kind of Radigan has dictated the rules of engagement there, which would have made Basil outsmarting him once he's completely given up on playing oh. mind games. Would have made it even better, but I, I didn't know. necessarily mean him outsmarting him in the tower. I mean, like after they both fall. Yeah. He physically pulls himself out, whereas having some sort of mental contingency plan might have made more sense. Yeah. Again, that's really nitpicky. It just was always kind of weird to me. Yeah. My my I mild think. counter argument to that is he had to be smart enough to figure out that pedaling would work on that piece of equipment. <laughs> Break that's, the laws that's of fair. physics. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I was like, uh, how's that working? Oh, that reminds me of another nitpick. So when he has the sudden realization when they're in the, that James Bond trap yeah. to press the button sooner. And he starts mouthing off all of this science gibberish, and it's like embarrassing how it's not related to anything that's happening at all. Because he talks <laughs> about square root of an isosceles triangle is like, literally a line. You can't square root a triangle. It's not a number, Basil. <laughs> you freaking idiot. You're, it, you're just faking it. <sighs> Okay, anything else about the Great Mouse Detective? You, okay, I want to say that you saying she was a prostitute was wrong. That they had sensual dancers that were not prostitutes. Okay, fair. Fair. That doesn't mean they were sleeping with other mice. You uh, dirtbag. <laughs> I would like to point out that part of the lyrics is, Hey fellas, I'll take off all my clothes. Yes. That's fine. See, that's every time that line comes up, off. I'm like... Did I really just hear what I heard? This is the thing. There is a difference between, like, sensual slash roddy seaside bar dancers and prostitutes. Like, that is a thing of the era. And I am glad it's in there because it's kind of really edgy now. (laughs) But it's... Okay, I showed it to one of my uh, classmates, and they were like, this is a Disney movie? They kind of... They'd never seen it before. (laughs) And I was Uh, like, watch this clip and tell me that Disney... (laughs) you know, doesn't do anything adult. And she's like, did she just say that sh- there's nothing that she won't do for them? Like, yeah, that's literally what she just sang. <laughs> that's yeah. great. I love it. Yeah, I, after rewatching this movie, I just had this moment where I was like, is Disney responsible for the furry community? Because Probably. it seems like Disney did everything they could to make sure the furry community became a thing. Can we talk about how Basil has a gun and then doesn't bring it anywhere? 
Oh, yeah. I literally didn't think of that until you just said it. <laughs> it's not like they were like, oh, we can't have one of our characters actually using a gun on a person. One of the mice in the bar fight pulls out a gun. Uses yeah. It, doesn't use it well, but still, the gun is fired. And well, there's oh, a oh human gosh. gun pointed at Basil. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That- I, l- I did love in the bar where the second like group of people come on, the group, the performers, and they just immediately boo them off. Yeah. I thought that yeah. Was- Okay. I always thought that was really funny. <laughs> Our scene, though, is so well played. Yeah. Because you have them coming in and Dawson doing that ridiculous pretending to be a thug walk. And yeah. then ladies, you know, spewing the cigarette at him. All the stuff going on the stage. It's the bar very formal. Yeah. Them. It, mm. It's such a great scene. There's so much going on in that bar. Mm. Yeah. I, okay, kick off I have another negative. Disney films. <laughs> it's supposed to be negative. Gosh dang it, you people. <laughs> okay, I have another negative. Um, I like the songs. They felt really out of place. Yeah. Um, the one in the bar made sense because it contextually made sense that they would see it. But the only other song in the movie is, is Radigan's villain song, which don't get me wrong, I love that song. It's really funny. But it's weird because the other song is like in line with the world. And a bunch of villains, maybe they would sing for Radigan? Like, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm off. Because he seems like the kind of guy that would actually want his minions to sing for him. Yeah. But, yes. but having just the two songs felt a little strange to me. And it might have just been because I watched Oliver and Company, which is like 85% songs. But, yeah. anyway. Yeah. I don't know, that... Maybe it's, like, Basil's interpretation of Radigan, since he's the one that's like... <laughs> who knows what he's up to and then it shows you <laughs> probably you a like show glitter. number <laughs> yeah. no I don't, I don't think so but mm. that is an interesting fan theory you can post on tumblr it can be your headcanon <laughs> i would have to make a tumblr for this to happen so yeah. that's not gonna happen yeah i honestly i don't know it didn't bug me because radigan feels like the kind of guy that would you know he's theatrical and so having a song would make sense i guess they could have if they had have hung a lantern on it where afterwards you see something about yeah they've been rehearsing this for weeks now or something like that would have made it fit in world more but it may have does make them resume singing for him after feeding one of the friends to the cat oh i actually love that moment because it really because you don't get much from his minions but the moment where you actually have the three of them that are absolutely heartbroken that their friend has been killed, where it's like, it's just this kind of like little, okay, yeah, these aren't, there's more to these characters. We may not see it, but, you know, mm-hmm. these are guys that were desperately trying to defend their friend and then were heartbroken when he got killed. So it's like, yeah, I kind of really liked those guys, even though they were the villains. They did. Um, one of them was a lizard. For no reason. <laughs> it's Bill from Alice in Wonderland. Literally oh, okay. Bill from Alice in Wonderland. Like, same right. character model now that I think of it, actually. It is, yeah. But yeah, so... Um, did we have any other negatives? We keep turning them into positives. That's what I was going to ask. If not, then we can go to, like, if anyone has really... We should probably wrap this one up and move to all of our company. If anyone has any final thoughts... Why don't we rate it? Rate it out of five stars? Hmm. Five stars? Hmm. Uh... That's my rating. No half stars. No half stars. Yeah. Okay. I, hmm. It's like not my favorite movie out of all of them, but at the same time, it is so really well made that even if it is 
Like, I'm not usually, I mean, despite Donald Duck being my favorite character, I'm not usually that invested in the anthropomorphic animal movies, but I honestly... Make a decision, Derek. Yeah, sorry. I honestly can't think of anything that would take any stars away from it, so yeah, I'm gonna say five stars. In, Same. We should be... Yeah, I, I agree. At least in context with other Disney movies. Like, as... Yeah. Compared to every other movie Eddie ever made, maybe like four. But like, that's yeah. so negligent. It's, you should watch it, is the gist, right? Yeah. So this yes. is at the top of the list by virtue of it being first. It will probably stay there for a while because I, <laughs> I looked to see what was coming up. Um, <laughs> but, alright, yeah. so general consensus is if you haven't seen Great Mouse Detective, go freaking watch it because it's yeah. baller. It's mm-hmm. great. If you like Sherlock, you like Benedict Cumberbatch's just weird face. Imagine if his face was even weirder and looked like a mouse face, and then you have the gray mouse effect. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One yeah. last thing I wanted to say. I'm really sad that we never got a crossover between the great mouse detective and the rescuers. Well, yeah, it is weird. It is weird that mice are the detectives all the time. <laughs> yeah. They, heck, they even, in some of the Mickey Mouse comics that were published in Europe, because Mickey Mouse comics are a huge thing there. That's one of his alter egos is a hard-boiled private detective Mickey Mouse, yeah. and it's kind of amazing. Well, awesome. they're different time periods, Derek. What kind of crossover do you want? Yeah, they could figure something out. Travel I was thinking, through time. <laughs> I was thinking, why did Disney waste... Well, I know why, but... I was like, why did they waste so much time making those dumb sequels to other films when they could have actually made good sequels to this one? Yeah. Because they made episodic things with Basil, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, but it's because this I'm, one didn't make as much money, and yeah. so it's not about creativity, it's about making money on those sequels, but... I mean, this is a run of Disney that went from Black Cauldron to Great Mouse Detective to Oliver and Company, so I'm pretty sure this whole chunk was just doomed from the start. It's yeah, true. I, well, the directors of this one, was it John Musker and Ron Clements? Isn't that who it is? Those two uh, are going to go on and do Aladdin and Hercules and Treasure Planet and Moana. Like, it was a Treasure Planet, Ron's baby, isn't that? I yeah, they wanted to do it since like this movie mm. that also bomb. So anyway, yeah, well, also good. I think they, I think they make good movies. I've not seen it. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So yes. the general consensus: watch it. So yes. the next movie we watched was Oliver and Company, which came out uh, November 18th-ish, 1988. Um, Derek was born by then. Right? Yes, Please. yes, I was. Okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, are we? The general plot is, if you've seen Oliver Twist, it's that, but with animals. It's set in New York City. Venkman is like this bum, <laughs> and Sykes is like the men in black but evil. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't and clear so, what he did. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. He's some mob guy. And then, you know, if you've seen Oliver Twist, like Oliver is the cat who is not named topic to the movie, teams up with Dodger, who is, you know, a street smart thief. In this case, he's a dog, played by Billy Joel, weirdly enough. And then there's a whole group of people that teach Oliver how to be a pickpocket like them. Oliver gets picked up by a rich family that wants to adopt him and does, and then everything goes to hell because this movie's terrible. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyone have any starting comments on, like, impressions? Like, if, if, since you've seen it last, did your opinions change? Anyone want to start us off on that? I, I'll start. I've okay. only seen sure. it once before this. Okay. So I watched it as a kid... 
one of my friends had us over and like we had a double feature which was like you know massive binge fest as a child two movies in one day oh and we gosh. watched the aristocats and oliver and company what did you say I said mad lads <laughs> exactly <laughs> and i remember thinking the aristocats was just way superior to this film uh-huh. but i remember liking it i remember thinking oh it was fun you know whatever yeah. And then watching it this time, I was like, I, 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 like, I don't even like the animation. I can say that I like the animation in most of the films that are upcoming that I don't want to watch. But this one, I was oh. just like, oh. <laughs> ah. yeah. Derek, any thought, any initial thoughts? Um, one thing that kind of caught me off guard, cause I, this is a movie that I watched a couple times as a kid. It was one of the ones that we owned, so it got rewatched. One thing that caught me off guard this time around was that Oliver doesn't actually spend a lot of times with Dodger and his friends. So the fact that they, the attachment between the characters feels kind of unearned almost because it's mm-hmm. like they were together for like a day and then he gets taken on the first time out, he gets taken in by the rich family and then immediately like, we have to go save him. And I'm like, I mean, I get it, but. At the same time, it feels yeah. kind of, did you really spend enough time together to want to break okay. into this place? Let's hold off on digging deeper into that until we hit, like, criticisms. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. any any other, like, did, was it different from when you, like, that is a difference, but, like, was there any, like, general impressions that were, I you think might be different than when you first saw it? Or was it, like, did you like it? It feels way more dated now. Yeah. It's, like, as a kid it didn't really step i mean i don't have very strong memories of it i really liked the opening but at the same time i'm like it is absolutely completely unfeasible that nobody would take the free kitten on the side of the road like uh, telling beck the most the old ones actually are the cats that always go first yeah. so check that one off disney not even factually correct yeah okay but yeah i didn't hate it but i can see why i don't have strong memories of this one it feels like it it should be made by somebody else yeah like i've seen plenty of 90s and 80s cartoons from like universal or warner brothers or whoever and they're you know mildly remember memorable if that and that's what this right. one felt like to me right it's like oh yeah this is a disney film this is one of the classics that's, okay that's really that is really weird because okay, so for me, like we were really familiar with this movie as a kid because we used to watch the sing along song videos. I don't know if anyone else had those. <laughs> Same we I'm used to watch about. them, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So the one we had, we had one that had all the Oliver and Company songs on them, mm-hmm. and I remember watching it. And at the time, like there was a, a bout in the eighties where they just never released them on video because they just weren't popular. Right. And then they released them all at once. This and Great Mouse Detective and some others. Yeah, I think Box of the Hound was even in that collection. Um, but anywho, like we, were, I remember just being like frothing at the mouth for this to come out because I was so mm-hmm. excited because like the the songs made it look like a Disney film I'd never seen. And then we watched it, and I remember it being terrifying at the end. Um, <laughs> oh, really? And I, yeah, the villain was really scary for me, and he died in a really horrific way. That was really he, scary. That, he does. It's a little specific. My my initial impressions were very positive. We watched this movie a lot, um, and liked the music a lot. Mm. And rewatching it, uh, it was incredibly boring. I was completely unengaged. It was the literal opposite of the Great Mouse Detective, where 
it was kind of quaint for me that it was kind of like a, a relic of its era. It felt very 80s. Yeah. Which was kind of, I didn't mind that, but. I did. But, okay, well. that's fine. We'll get to that. <laughs> but kind of like what Derek was saying was like none of the character interactions felt earned and like they didn't feel like they had enough time together before we kind of. Mm. But I did realize that there was like a lot of things in this film that made significant impressions on me as a child that I forgot were in it. Like, but we can get to that when we get there. So, yeah. <laughs> anything positive? Anyone want to say? Sorry, Derek. You can say something before we go into that. If you need. Yeah, I actually because it's kind of amazing when you compare the unearned the inner the character interactions that don't feel earned to the Great Mouse Detective because there they take pretty much the same amount of runtime and those character interactions all feel earned from um, Basil and Olivia, Basil and Dawson, Basil and Radigan. Oh. They all feel earned and solid while with here it's like this is only happening because that's what the plot requires. Mm -hmm. It's really, it is so weird to me. When you suggested these two movies, I actually did not pair them as like back to back Disney films. I thought Oliver, I thought Great Mouse Detective was way older and Oliver and Company had a bigger chunk between it. And like watching them back to back and being like, this is the same studio two years later is like almost yeah. unbelievable to me. Yeah. Like it doesn't even look, the animation doesn't even look nearly the same with like, you have the great watercolor backdrops of Great Mouse Detective. And to be fair, this, this film has some pretty good looking backdrops, but it's yeah. like, it's at New York City. Like it's not already not a very interesting location. <laughs> anyway, it's, it, I just thought that was really strange. So did anyone like anything about this movie? I mean, I could, I did have some things I enjoyed. Yeah. There are a couple things that I liked. I mean, the animation on the animals, particularly the uh, kittens in the beginning, I thought that was really strong because I was like, I did feel an immediate connection with mm. the with Oliver and his siblings, which again made it kind of weird. Where I was like, okay, how did anyone leave that adorable kitten in that box? It's like, if it was me, I would have gone there. I would have taken the box with all the kittens in it, and taking them home. There is no feasible way that cat would still be there, which is both a negative and a good thing, because I wanted to take those cats home. And so it's like, sure. they do a really good job with that animation. I, I like, there were some characters I liked. Yeah. Um, I really liked Einstein. Yeah. Bulldog. Yeah. Like, he was apparently supposed to be voiced by Patrick Stewart, oh, but man. that didn't happen. Oh, I um, probably would have liked him better if he had been. I can see, I probably. can see that. That is, that feels like a very Patrick Stewart character. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was cute. Um, I liked. I actually liked that the Chihuahua was voiced by Cheech from Cheech and Chong. Or was no, it Chong? It was, was so it was Cheech. I think it was Cheech. Cheech Marin. I actually really liked the Chihuahua. He was <laughs> he was comedically weird in a movie of boring. He was like one of the few dogs that actually like made an impression. Like. Because yeah. he was just weird. I, I did think it's a little. Say, as a kid, I thought the Chihuahua and the Poodle were like the best couple ever. <laughs> and watching it, I was like, oh no, no. Okay, we're not even going to no. go into Georgette yet, because oh my gosh. But yeah. like. I hate him so much. <laughs> um, I did think it was a little. I like that the Mexican member is the one that hot wires cars and steals the stereo. Real good, real progressive on Disney <laughs> for that. Um, yes. That was not a like. That was sarcasm. I'm not a racist. Um, I was going to say, we're not doing progressive Disney, are we? <laughs> um, that sounds exhausting. Yeah, we do have to take the movies for the time they were made in. Because if we're going to analyze them based off of modern politics, we're going to be here for a while. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a level of that that's worth at least considering. But well, yeah, can... but true. Not focusing but on it entirely. Anyway. But yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's still a Mexican dog that steals freaking car radios. Like, come on. Uh, yeah. I did actually really like the Oliver. I can't remember the girl's name. Uh, oh, what is her Penny. name? Jenny. It's either Penny or Jenny. It's Jenny, not Penny because Penny's rescuers. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, it's, it's Jenny. Literally I did the like same their character. Song. Yeah. I thought their song was good. I liked their song a lot. I remember liking yeah. it as a kid. It was cute, and the scene that accompanies it is is decent. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just cats, and it's a cute cat, a cute girl doing cute things. But you know, whatever. It's a Disney movie. Um, I like the butler. <laughs> yeah, I you like the butler. Oh, I do love how he's basically Mister Fantastic's grandpa. It's like, oh no, not even his grandpa. He's like Mister Fantastic's from The Incredibles. De- not Mister Fantastic, Mister Incredible. I was literally going to be like, who's Mister Fantastic? You got to yeah. edit that out too. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they. I don't know. Maybe me being an idiot will be an endearing character trait. <laughs> no, um, Mr. Incredible, because it's literally Mr. Incredible's dad. It's like he looks exactly like the character, and I'm like, huh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's all I liked, I think. Yeah. I, I, I do have I to like... say, the animation's not my thing in this movie, but the fact that they used CG for the cars, oh. that's pretty great for 1988. Yeah. Well, you see, you put the gears in Great Mouse Detective. Oh, that was well. That was better. But I'm trying to find things I like about Oliver yeah. and Company. Thanks oh. for okay. yes, yeah, making speaking... the can about Great Mouse Detective, Nathan. Yeah. Sorry, speaking of it. yeah, speaking of CG, I don't remember. I think it was in the Great Mouse Detective extras where they're talking about oh yeah, computers will improve our work, but they'll never replace the human animator. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, meanwhile, 35 years later, human animators. But yeah, also. The music, I enjoyed the music. Some of the music I enjoyed. Streetwise right, sticks, sticks quick with hit. me. Yeah, yeah. quick hits. Favorite songs from Oliver and Company. There it go. Um, Streetwise. Is that the one sung by the not Middle, black yeah. dog lady? No, that's the oh. one that's sung by Dodger. And it's like, you know, it's... Like the original. Yeah. Well, when, not the, original, oh. the one that's Okay, in yeah, that one. Okay, yeah. yeah. Any others that you thought were good? I did like the one between... It's quick hit. You just got, got, got a quick hit. The, quick one hit. You, the one you mentioned with the... Uh, okay, the Penny and Oliver yeah. chilling song. Yeah. All right. Do you like any of the songs in this chain? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst. Okay, that, that was easy. All right. Okay, I'm going to say least memorable song is the one where they sing about... I don't want to say black dog lady because that sounds racist, but the female dog sings to teach Oliver the ropes is like the most worst song in the whole movie. Oh yeah, there was a Wait, song. Wait, no, I lied. Georgette has a song. Never mind. I was going to say, um, did you forget Georgette's song? Georgette's because... song was memorable. Not good, but memorable. I can't Apparently remember. Apparently not, I forgot it was in the yeah. movie. But, okay, I did it was think nail that... on the chalkboard memorable. <laughs> the, the Why Should I Worry song and yeah. the Oliver and Penny song I thought were fine. Yeah. Billy Joel is fine. He... I guess. Yeah, I love in the movie. <laughs> I love how in the in the making of that they included on the DVD or Blu-ray, whichever one I got from the library, they were talking about like it's a contemporary story filled with contemporary artists and contemporary music, and I'm just sitting there. Meanwhile, thirty-five years later, or however long so it's a contemporary story that's ripped off of Oliver Twist. That's not a contemporary story. That's an old story. Very old story. Yeah, I don't know what the obsession was with setting animated movies in New York. Or, yeah, there's this one. There's the Troll in Central Park. There's the Smurfs We could be movie. here forever if we're going to list everything in New York. Um, like, that's endless. Was it Enchanted? It's, I don't know. What is the obsession with the, with the West Coast setting stories on the East Coast? 
you well, know, now they send them all in L.A., so thanks. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually looked up the review on this movie because I remembered the um, the guy that runs UltimateDisney.com really likes this film. And I was like, how did you like this film? Mm. So I went back and looked, and he, he loves New York City. He loves things being set there. So I think there is a group of people that love the city and love movies being set there. I'm not part of that group, but yeah. I do think yeah. that I've never even been. So same no. here. I, the closest I've been to New York was Newark. And that was in the air. That was in the airport. Of course it was. You did it. Yeah. Okay. So anything else we liked about, I don't know. I, I, it was really sad for me revisiting this and having such good childhood memories and just not enjoying the film like at all. Yeah. Like it was a slog. It's, it was really hard to watch. It wasn't hard to watch for me, um, but it just... I can't think of any situation in which I'll rewatch this, except if at any point I have kids and say, Hey, we're going to watch all of the Disney movies. Yeah. Wait, I have a thing I like now. When they oh. dressed up as a pizza boy. And he's like... <laughs> and Vince is like, I didn't order any pizza. But he still goes out like an <laughs> idiot. I like that. That was freaking hilarious. And he takes a gun. Which he never uses. Yeah, he was gonna shoot yeah. the pizza boy. He was gonna shoot him. Yeah, yeah see, so he was good. He was good for that. That's good. Yeah. It, I mean, other than that, he freaking sucks. Oh, also, um, Tom Del Don DeLuise is yeah. uh, Vinks yeah. or Megan. It's Dom, which is really weird. Yeah, Dom DeLuise <laughs> like is okay. I'm gonna say Dom DeLuise is he's always charming. He always plays the exact same character because he is playing Tiger from An American Tale. That's why I don't like him in this movie. Really? It's like you're it's Tiger and I can't take you seriously because you're Tiger. Like Yeah. But that voice know. is Tiger to me. It, he really also is... he entrusted his future into his pets. He's Dom. kind of an idiot. Yeah. Uh yeah, he's I mean he's not a smart character, but there's for me Dom DeLuise is always kind of endearing. Wait, wasn't he in All Dogs Go to Heaven? Yeah. Yeah, he played um he was a, he was sidekick, sidekick, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really like that movie. I'm scared to rewatch it though. Sad? It's, yeah, it's too bad it's not Disney. <laughs> it's got animals and Dom DeLuise, so it's pretty you can much watch the same. As and it is, company. and it is by Don Bluth, who was a Disney animator. It's, yeah, so. so it pretty much is Oliver and Company too. Is yeah, what I'm hearing. Yeah, spin off right. podcast. Get on it, Derek. Okay, <laughs> no. we're not. I'm going to say this preemptively. Oh no. I have to go do things in my life. <laughs> so when I transition to the next segment, which is things we didn't like about Oliver and Company <laughs> TM by Disney, a Disney film by Disney, you have to keep it relatively short. And that being said, ready go, what do you don't like about this movie? Just, um, just James, just list it off. I want James to just okay, rant okay, at me. Go for, go yeah. for it, James. I have some points that I want to bring up, but James, you sound like you have more to say. Probably the plot, the characters, the animation. I hate the sexual harassment of the <laughs> Chihuahua to the poodle. I I don't know that just like that is what like kills me. And I think it's way more scary than it needs to be. And the ending is like watching a train wreck. And I hate that uh, the dog literally is a train wreck. Though. What's that? It's it literally is a train wreck. Yeah. And I hate that the I dogs like... go back to the life of crime when they could just live with the girl. And let the creepy Fagin go live by himself, because he's the worst. Yeah. Also, Dodger's the worst, and I don't understand why he cares about Oliver, and he's a jerk. Which, again, is interesting, because you compare Basil to Dodger, and it's like night and day. It's like these are 
these are yeah. very similar characters, and yet one did it so well, and I'm amazed at how well the pairing of these two movies goes together, because we can draw comparisons between them so well. Why is Oliver such a non-presence in this movie? He really like, is. He has, like, he does nothing. Like, the, the definition of a protagonist is someone who acts and is not acted upon. And Oliver is acted upon the entire film. There is he no never does the most anything. passive protagonist I have seen in a film in years. There is no protagonist. I think that's why it's so, I think that's why it's so boring. Is because he never does anything and you never know who the protagonist is. You think it's Dodger, but it's not following Dodger. It's well, following no. Oliver, who yeah. doesn't do anything. Yeah, cause the thing like, with Oliver is that what does he want? He wants a home. When does he get it? Halfway through the movie. Then it's taken away from him by the other by protagonists. His friends. It's, yeah, it's it's so Maybe stupid. that's what I hate most, is that no one changes at all. Yeah, it's They're not a character. They're going back to their life of crime. Oh, okay. Poodle still sucks. She's just going to be a jerk the rest of her life. You got to be your political moment of saying that the Chihuahua is sexual harassment when they're they're dogs. <laughs> my political here's my moment. Mo- here's my moment. Okay, they're from a lower class subset, and a normal movie they would learn some way to like better themselves and maybe move up economically. But the moral of the movie is: dirty poor people should stay far away from rich people that own cats. They just leave <laughs> and never come back. They just leave and they're like, "Don't come back." And it's, like, kind of disgusting to me that, like, these these people are, like, it, it felt like a very distinct divide in class that didn't ever, and it was, like, trying to prove they were incompatible. It's true. And, like, that was kind of gross to me. That felt really gross. Mm. And, and especially because Vegan is, like, seriously needs mental help. Because <laughs> he thinks that his animals can go get money for him to pay off a drug deal or whatever he did with Sykes. Isn't it like and some like, kind of uh, loan that he had with him? Yeah, but what what did he use the loan for? He bought his dumb to, boat, maybe his bike. <laughs> to buy dog food? <laughs> yeah, buy mm. dog treats. Yeah. I don't think it was... Nathan, I think it's totally a fair assessment of the film. It was completely... Like, I was kind of grossed out by the end of this film. Yeah. And like... Yeah, and especially because it's like... Penny, they have all this money, like they could help him, like... But instead, they're like making bets with him, and like he loses, and so he has to leave because the butler's gonna, you know, turn into the new vegan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the butler. Yes. Yeah, the new Sykes. Yeah, I hate I mean, maybe that's the problem with Oliver is his home is kind of Jenny, but his home is with also Georgette. Like, is that really a home? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh wait, I forgot. I have to be. I'm wrong because when Vegan leaves. The butler wipes his face off and says in the middle of the song, what a delightful scoundrel, proving that class divides can interact and it, everything's fine. But only on occasion. <laughs> yeah, and they can't like live with us because they're gross and weird and we can't help them or anything, but right. we will invite them in our house out of courtesy because they know my cat. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hate this movie so much now. I'm getting madder at it just thinking about it. Yeah. That's bad. As well, okay, for a slight lighthearted moment, as a cat owner, the scene that really got to me was the moment when Jenny is feeding Oliver because I'm looking at what she's putting into that bowl and I'm like, that cat is dead. Oh, she feeds him chocolate. That'll just straight up kill him. Yeah, and I'm like, that cat is dead. 
It's like, she just killed her cat. It's like, get that animal. Because, like, the idea is, oh, she's good for him because she has money and she can take care of him. But at the same time, I'm like, that cat is going to die if that's what okay. she's feeding him. I have a request. Is Jane. she good for him? Okay, go oh, ahead. I have a request for you. I want okay. you to go off on Georgette, and then I'm going to play devil's advocate. So go. Tell me everything okay. you like, hate about Do Georgette. <laughs> okay, number one, the whole adjusting her boobs during the song. She's a dog. <laughs> what, oh. what? Even? Why? Bonus, Why did that happen? That 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 brown stripe on her is not on her when she like is changing and she pops her head out. So it is like a literal fur bra that she's not wearing when she changes. Anyway, That's keep going. A fur bra? How did you even notice this? I was so distracted by how much I dislike the film. Like, I, I, take, I take in everything. I'm like a film guru. But keep going. What about Georgette? Um, like besides everything, she's super mean. She doesn't change. Her whole like leading on the chihuahua. Well, first. You know, she's all disgusted with the Chihuahua. And then she's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm into you all of a sudden. And then I'm going to change you and then scare you away. Like that. That, like, is, that seemed like that a fair creepy. punishment for him. He didn't know what he was getting into. I actually yeah, kind of like their obnoxious relationship. Isn't that her just being like creepy back? Yeah. And that's what they, they're perfect for each other. They're both being creepy. Oh. Nathan ships the Chihuahua and the Poodle, and I'm okay. So, so what? So you didn't go off as much as I wanted you to, because yeah. my defense is going to be: I like her because she is like the glamorous upper class biatch that. Literally. And and the thing is, if they had done her better, she could have been the representation of the type of character that doesn't let the class divide interact, because she is that. Okay. And then Jenny, the Jenny could have been the catalyst. To make it work, right? So you have like but Jenny Dodger doesn't being do like, anything in the movie. So all it is is okay. just being annoyed with the poodle. Well, Jenny, by the victim of circumstance, because she took Oliver, right? right? But like you have Dodger, who's like this representation of I'm street smart and I hate rich people and blah blah blah. And then you have Georgette as like this upper class, upper crust, total self centered prick. And like there could have been some sort of like moral where they both changed and found middle ground. I'm not saying they were in the main characters, but like interacting with each other. But like there right. could have been some sort of fix there. Well, I'm thinking even if the romantic feelings is between the two of them, and then they actually changed, even if they didn't end up together, that would have been better to me. I think Cheech and Georgette. You mean? Well, if, if it was like Dodger and Georgette, and Dodger <laughs> became less. No, no. <laughs> it's Dodger and that other. It's Dodger and that other that other female dog. OTP forever. Oh, I don't oh. ship any one of this. Wait, movie, was it Roxanne? I think it's. I think her name's Roxanne. Actually, no one remembers her name because she's as worthless a character as Einstein. Yeah, I didn't even remember Einstein's name. I'm like, who's Einstein? Oh, the bulldog. I don't know that because yeah. I watched this movie a lot. No, no. Francis is the bulldog. Einstein's Einstein the... is the dumb Great Dane. Oh. That's why yeah. he's Einstein. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally yeah. knew that. Yeah, no, yeah, I honestly, there's one thing. The one thing that stood out to me with Georgette was that right before Jenny is kidnapped, she's still, you know, she hasn't changed. But then at some point, she starts working with the group, and it's like I'm one of you now. Except I'm watching it and thinking there was no moment where she changed and became one of the group it's like you know where she, you know where that should have been when when jenny she was, was out with jenny yeah. trying to get oliver she should have realized that oliver was important to jenny mm -hmm. and had a change yeah. yeah except it's instead it's a break a nail joke yeah like it's 
and Ugh. she just looks miserable. Which, to be fair, anyone that's actually broken the nail before, that hurts. Like, a lot. yeah, but it just felt like it was. She's maybe so it wasn't flat. so tired back then. But every joke oh, yeah. with Georgette was just like, "This is such a tired." It played out joke. Georgette, there really isn't anything redeeming about that character, is there? What's interesting is that comparing this her, and this is tr- segueing off Georgette, is when we were discussing the Great Mouse Detective, I, I made a comment, you guys kind of went with it, that every character in the Great Mouse Detective feels like they have a place, yeah. right? And they work off each other. And Oliver and company feels like there are could have been three characters, four maybe, in this movie, and it would have been, and everyone else just like there for no reason, like Dodger Sykes dogs Oliver. Are there for no reason. Yeah, you don't need all of them though. Like you could have Dodger, you could have Oliver, you could have Jenny, and you could have Vinkman or whatever his name is. Sykes. Sorry, Sykes. I, keep, I keep I'm thinking about Ghostbusters. Sorry. Yeah. Right, and that and that could have been the movie. Like everyone else doesn't do anything. They don't they're, develop. They're, yeah, they don't change. They, they don't do anything except you know run around. Yeah, it's. It's a story of the character's circumstance, not the character themselves. Because the entire point is, let's get Oliver to a happy home, because he is a kitten, and kittens need a happy home. But none of it involves the changing of characters. Because, I mean, I guess the story could have been about how Dodger went from being not caring about Oliver to caring about him, but that just kind of happens for no reason. Uh, okay, I'm going to give you a rare criticism of Star Wars, so oh. everyone buckle up. Oh, I got like, lots of those. Go ahead. <laughs> well, mine's rare, okay? But, like, Rogue One, I love that movie. However, it is more about things happening to the characters than characters changing. Right. But it's fun. I agree with that. Yeah. And I care about what's happening because I have a background. Yeah. Oliver and Company, it's not fun. It's There's a lot of problematic things happening <laughs> and just kind of boring things and then it kind of wraps up with a huge massive violent train wreck yeah and you're like no i i think you're right actually i think this is the rogue one of disney movies yeah the yep. thing is is that where the They're about the same quality level too. yeah the advantage that <sighs> oh, okay, rogue one okay <laughs> the advantage that rogue one has is that one of the things happening to the characters is darth vader right Darth Vader happening to people is a thing I like sure. watching. That is probably the most blatant fanboy thing I've ever heard anyone say. You are the reason. I like Derek. Darth Vader. You are the reason that no one takes any chances with Marvel movies. You are the sole reason. <laughs> hey. If okay, Darth no, wait, Vader, wait, ha- if Darth Vader happened to the Marvel movies, that would be amazing. <laughs> Oh, you're just making it worse. Okay, Nathan, stick to Disney. I'm sorry, I opened Pandora's box. Both of those are Disney. (laughs) (laughs) Oliver and Company. Only Oliver and Company. I don't want to talk about Oliver and Company anymore. I don't like it. Two stars. (laughs) One. One star. Worst (sighs) Disney animated film ever. Not the worst Disney animated ever. Because the sequels Ever. exist. This one's the worst. I the will give it to I'm talking about real Walt Disney features, not Disney Toon Studios. Okay. Hold, hold, pause. Pause. This is worse than Home on the Range. Yes. Really? I'm really? standing by. This is the worst one. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, I'm not looking forward to that, then. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm going to give it a... Jeez. Ah, I mean, I didn't hate it. I don't think it's the worst. So I'll give it two stars. 
All right. That's well, kind. That okay. was kind, because it doesn't have anything that... Well, okay. I reserve the right to change it if I watch, yeah. if I watch Home on the Range and it's better. <laughs> that's much <laughs> I don't know, because maybe I could go so... I would go as high as three stars, but no higher on this one. You have to make a decision, Derek. Is it two or three? Um, strong, Derek. Three. You better edit all this dead air out to make it look like you made your decision really fast. Two or three, Derek. I will say, okay, I'm going to give it three, just because oh, I didn't hate anything in it. You're off the podcast. Okay, next no, no, no. week. No. <laughs> <laughs> next week, we will not be joined with Derek. <laughs> okay, so in our big ranking, number one, we have Great Mouse Detective. Number two, we have Oliver and Company, unless Derek wants to make a bid that it should be number one. Subject to change. <laughs> <laughs> All we right. may have an- so another number two next week. God, freaking hell. What are we watching next week? Oh, I should spoil that. All right, so uh, that's this week's episode, I guess. That's yeah. real strong, real strong ending there, Nathan. Next week we're going to be covering actually two good ones: uh, the Little Mermaid and the Rescuers Down Under. Ooh, this is going to be a good week. Yeah, I'm. I this will be interesting because I think me and James have opposite opinions on how these two movies should be ranked. So this really? should. Really, I am conflicted. Well, I'm I'm a, for this. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything because I'll spoil it. But yeah. yeah, the week after that's the one I'm looking forward to. But I'm not going to say what it is. You got to listen. So, or you can um, Wikipedia and find out. So, as always, <laughs> we, we at whatever this podcast name is, recommend that you watch the movies before you come listen to us talk about them, because we're going to spoil the intricate plots of such favorites as Home on the Range and Oliver and Company, and you don't want to miss out on that. So, <laughs> uh, as always, I'm Nathan, and we have Derek and James. Thank you for coming on Skype and joining us. And uh, we will see you all next week for the reviews of The Little Mermaid and Rescue Down Under. podcast that is as of yet unnamed um hopefully derek will edit this part so that there is a name here if not it's unnamed um opening and ending music by at ben sound podcast cover art by nathan rackley at draw on twitter